the ushers are coming down. Uh, if you uh, do not have a Bible, please raise your hand. Uh, and uh, if you don't own a Bible, this is our gift to you. Our gift to you. I just want to say uh, that Anne and myself, my wife and I, are so happy. The past year, uh, just experiencing uh, so many wonderful things in our church. Um, getting to know people, getting to know uh, the small group leaders, uh, and just all the efforts and all the ministry that has already been done uh, prior to my arrival here. I just feel like, uh, I just feel so privileged to be a part uh, of this church. And I, I know God is blessing us, and he is keeping us, and he is strengthening us. So I'm so grateful for that. So please turn in with me in your Bibles to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And I'm going to read from the ESV. Why don't we stand for the reading of God's word? Let's stand together. And when we stand, it's not because of ritual or anything that we do special in church. It's we stand because we can focus better. And we know that God's word is deserving of our focus and of our attention. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all, out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The lions, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, and listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days when he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him 
will be condemned. You may be seated. You may have heard the phrase, you are having a fear of man moment. I don't know about you, but I've heard that many times. I've heard that many times in my life, pastors saying that, friends, Christian friends, you're having a fear of man moment. And, and it's kind of embarrassing because right at that moment, you're, you're thinking to yourself, uh, I'm actually fearing what, I, I'm, I'm self-conscious about what you think of me just because I'm actually fearing man. Like, I'm, I'm self-conscious of what you're thinking. We all understand what this means. There is a morbid concern of what people think about you. Anxiety strikes because you're afraid of the, pay, of the way people view you? Will they judge you because of your comment? Will they judge you based on your appearance or your conduct? Will they condemn you or accept you? What will they do to you? You have a fear of what others may think of you, so you act in a way that, uh, that, that will make the other person accept you. Sometimes fear of man has an object. You want that promotion at work, so you do what you are told, so you get what you want, that promotion, a higher salary. You desire that position, and so you fear the influence of others over, the, over and above the position that you covet. What we don't often realize is that the, fear, the heart of the fear of man is a sense of pride and insecurity. In essence, we fear what other people think of us. There's a sense of insecurity and pride. And this is the sin that we deal with. Well, today, as we read this psalm, we want to understand how David went from fearing man to experiencing the goodness of God. We want to understand how David went from fearing man to experiencing the goodness of God. Just a little bit of background before we get to our first point. What fear did David have? What was the context of this psalm? If you look down with me, the very title of the psalm is of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and he went away. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, we see the story where David is running away from Saul. It's probably his second or third time running away from Saul. And he goes to the city of Gath. Now the city of Gath is the capital city of the, 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 the Philistine capital. And uh, the king Achish lived there. And he thought that he could seek asylum. He, as a refugee, he could go there and somehow he would be received well. Now if you read in 1 Samuel chapter 21, the servants of Achish came to him and they were very skeptical. They're like, is this not David? Is this the one who is to rule? And, and, and they all heard of the story and they knew of the, what happened with David and Goliath. right? How David destroyed Goliath and conquered him. right? And so David in this situation, not knowing the truth about the king of Achish and how he would accept him or reject him, he took the words of the servants and he took it to heart and he became very fearful. 
he was very fearful. So he began acting like a madman, you know, just, just clawing at everything. The, the Bible says he was drooling down his beard. He was like acting like a madman, like an, an insane person, so that the king of Akish would say to his servants, why did you bring this man? Who is he? Get him out of my sight. Right? So David, in this situation, because he feared what was going to happen, tried to take things into his own hands, tried to take things into his own hands, and he acted like a madman and tried to escape. And in essence, this is what happened. The king of Akish let him go. Let him go. By the way, Abimelech uh, is the same word for Akish, just in case you're wondering. And what I want you to know, first of all, is that we see that David praised God when he experienced his goodness. That David praised God when he experienced his goodness. And so we should praise God when we experience his goodness. In verse 1-3, one 1-3, one it says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. This is a personal testimony of a man who has been redeemed. A man who acted like, an, like, a, like a mad person and, and, and was let go by a king who he thought was going to kill him. And he, and he doesn't say, you know, oh, I'm so glad I got out of that situation. He says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. This is a personal conviction. Out of the experience that he had, he says, I will bless God all the time. And then he goes on and he says, he, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. That means he wants others to hear. I'm sure he's around many people, so he wants others to hear how great and how awesome God is. You see, we praise God when we experience his goodness. This is our nature as Christians. Our nature should be to praise and thank God when we experience his goodness. In verse 2, it talks about his soul boasting in the Lord and saying, let the humble hear and be glad. The word humble here is not a humble of heart. It's the word humble in the Hebrew is more so the afflicted, the poor, the needy, the one who's depressed and down and downcast. And here David says, let the humble hear and be glad. Let them hear that God is good. And in verse 3, he caps it off by saying, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name forever together. Now the reason for this, this was a, there was a delight, there was this, Lord thank you, I bless you and I thank you and I praise you. Why? Because verse 4, verse 4, look down with me. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. All my fears. 
I'm sure that at that time when he was trying to escape from Saul and going to the king of Gath, Achish, that he was thinking in his mind, what if he finds out that I'm David? What will he do to me? Do I have to then escape? Am I going to die? So, so all these fears that he had. But the Lord answered him and delivered him. I don't know about you, but I, I have a lot of fears in my life. We all have fears, right? Fears of financial crisis. Fears of relational difficulties. Fears of health issues. Fears of what's going to happen the next day. You know, there's a difference between worry and fear. You know, if you're, if you're afraid of heights, you're not going to be saying, oh, I'm worried about going on that bridge. No, you're fearful about going on that bridge. Right? You know, if you're, you're scared of spiders, you won't be like, oh, I'm worried about getting too close. No, you're fearful. There's a difference between worry and fear. Fear is like you don't want to be anywhere near that. But you see, God delivered David out of his fears. Because this psalm is a psalm that shows us that God, that even though David did all that he did, acting like a madman, God delivered him and allowed for the king of Achish to, to push him away so that he could escape and go to the cave of Adullam. And there his family went to minister to him. So that was, that was God's amazing grace towards David. And how did he learn that lesson? What, did he, what was the result of that? If you look in 1 Samuel chapter 27, we won't go there. But 1 Samuel chapter 27 uh, speaks of... Uh, once again, he's running away from Saul, but this time he says, Saul is most certainly going to kill me. So I'm going to get out of the side of the hill country one more time and go straight into Gath one more time and go to the king of Achish. This time he did not fear the king of Achish. He did not fear his circumstance. He did not fear man. He went straight to the king. And guess what? In chapter 27, you can read it when you get home. The king of Achish welcomed him, showed him hospitality, and let him live in a city for a year and four months. That, brothers and sisters, is the transformation from I fear man to I see the goodness of God and I can now act by faith. So we praise God when we experience his goodness. We see deliverance in David's life. Deliverance. He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. One good question that I had when I was discussing the sermon with um, a few people this week. Does God answer us and deliver all of us from all of our fears? And to, to answer that question, I want you to um, go to the New Testament and take a look at 
the last uh, chapter of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Second last chapter. Sorry, my apologies. Chapter 12, verse 8. Paul says here, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that he, it should leave me. He's talking about the thorn in the flesh. And I guarantee you that if I had a thorn in my flesh, some physical ailment, I would be fearful that that would, ha- that would stay with me for the rest of my life, right? But he said to me, the Lord said to me, to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Paul did not ask, the. he did ask the Lord to remove him from the situation so that, in essence, his fears would be relieved, right? But the Christian life is not about asking God to relieve us of all of our fears all the time. The the, the Christian life is to go to God with our fears and to ask him to deal with it. To ask him to help us. And how did he help David? Well, he got him out of the situation. And he gave another chance for him to go to the king of the quiche the second time. How did he help Paul? By teaching him that yes, You will have this for the rest of your life. But my grace is sufficient for you. And for my power is made perfect in weakness. And how much did Paul experience that grace in his life? Shipwrecked. Stoned. Whipped. And yet God carried him through from city to city. From church to church. With his ailment. God delivered him from his fears, not in the way that he expected, but in the way that he wanted to accomplish in his life, in in, in Paul's life. So we praise God when we experience his goodness. His goodness comes when he delivers us. Delivers us from our fears. And there are times that he actually delivers us from that circumstance that causes us fear. And sometimes he doesn't. But he gives us faith. He gives us an understanding of that situation so that we are not fearful anymore. That our life is based on faith in Christ and that nothing that we could feel in our hearts can take us away. From that relationship and that great lesson that we learned. Not only do we praise God when we experience his goodness. We, we, we also experience his goodness when we fear him. We experience his goodness when we fear him. Many of you know this verse very well. Oh taste and see that the Lord is good. I struggled so much with this verse The past few weeks as I was preparing. Because I didn't understand it. I didn't understand what it meant to me. I pray and hope that as we go through this passage. That the Holy Spirit would 
infiltrate your heart and take a grip of your heart and show you exactly how good God is. I want to tell you that in this passage, it does not say, David doesn't say, you must say, taste and see that the Lord is good. He doesn't say, um, you, you must say that God delivers me from all of my fears. It was his personal experience so that we can enter into that personal experience of our own and say, Lord God, can you do the same for me? Can you deliver me from my fears? Can I taste and see that God is good? The word here, taste, is taste. It's no, no change in the Hebrew. Taste and see that the Lord is good. See. You know, Job went through a lot of trials when he was uh, going through the persecution of his friends. And, 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 and Satan was like oppressing him. And he had gone through so many physical and emotional trials. But in chapter 42, verse 6, it says that I have heard of your name, but now I see you. You see, the word see here is not physically seeing God. It is an expression of his personal experience with God. He is saying, I heard of you. I knew of you. I, 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 I theologically studied who you were before. But now I experience, I can truly say that I can see you. And he said, therefore I repent and, and dust and ashes. Because he knows that God is in control. He knows that everything that has happened in his life is not without purpose. All the trials. All the trials. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Here David is inviting the reader to experience the goodness of God. Not just his goodness but that he is good. So I don't know if you've tasted some delicious dish before where you, you're like, I got to go back to that restaurant. The keg has a prime rib that you got to try with horseradish on the side. I don't remember how many ounces, but I'd go there for round two. But you know what? It's so good, right? And Anne and I, we, we sometimes go to the keg, but I, I would love to go back there tonight. Why? Because I can just envision just slicing into that, the tender meat and dipping into that uh, horseradish and the spicy and the juicy flavor of the meat with the, the delicious fat, you know, and it's just melting in my mouth. Listen, you, you, you can taste it, right? Or, I mean, if you don't like prime rib, it's, it's, it's strawberry shortcake or anything like that, um, you know. But God designed us to taste with our tongue the deliciousness of food. In the same vein, we want to taste and experience for ourselves that God is good. The Lord is good is not just the statement of his character, but of what he does. 
And it's not just a statement of what he does, it's a statement of his character. God is good, period. And he does what is good through the gospel. And so his character matches his action. His action always matches his character. This is who he is. Bacon tastes good. But am I going to eat 10 pounds in the morning every single day for the rest of my life? I'm not going to live here long. I preach a few more times. Like, like you can't consume 10 pounds of bacon and expect your arteries to be intact. Like it's going to be, there's going to be some problems. So, so something that tastes good isn't always good, right? But God, in his goodness towards us, in the flavor of his grace and his mercy and his love and his character, not only does he taste good, not only is he good to us, he is good. His character is good. And we must not forget that. Sometimes we think to ourselves, is God really good to me? I know that he is good. I read his word and I know the gospel is good. But is he good to me? I feel like I've gone through so much in this life and it seems like God is not good to me. He's he's. It seems like I always have to be searching for his goodness. Is he good to me? We must not only experience that God is good, we have to believe with all our heart that he is good. When we go through the circumstances of life, the deepest question that we ask is not, is God sovereign? Is God loving? The deepest question that we ask in our lives is, is God good to me? And that's what David experiences. The moment he was delivered and the moment he realized that God is fully good, he tasted and experienced that God was good to him. That song, God is so good, God is so good, God is so good to me. He loves me so, he loves me so, he loves me so, he's so good to me. He answers prayer, he answers prayer, he answers prayer, he's so good to me. And so this is a, it's a kid's song, but do we believe it? You see, God is not good just because something goes well. God is not good just because something good happened in your life. God is good because you now see his goodness to you by faith. And you know he is working in your life. That is how you know God is good. It's not based on whether or not the circumstances in your life go well. Which, by the way, I I have to attest to you. That yes, the most obvious times that we believe God is good is when things go well, right? Oh, God blessed us with that. That's great. That's wonderful. And we praise God for him as it says in verse 1 to 7. But when things don't go well, 
Things are difficult. Questions are unanswered. Health problems come up. Issues with, with mental illness. Why, God? Why, God? I don't know. You see, God's goodness is experienced not just when things go well, but God's goodness is experienced when we fear him. And that's the point. God's goodness is experienced when we fear him. And so you might ask, what does it mean to fear God? I'm glad you asked that because here it says, here's the answer. To fear God is to seek him. See, the mechanism by which we can taste and see the goodness of God is through the fear of God. The way that God designed us is not just to treat him like a, um, a vending machine. Oh, I want Doritos. Okay, there we go. I want Hershey's. Okay, here we go. God is good to me because I just pressed that button and I prayed something. God wants us to participate. He wants us to cook with him. He wants us to understand that we are participating in, under, in, in knowing his goodness and faithfulness. So we must fear him. We must fear him. And now, what does it mean to fear him? To fear God is to seek him. To fear God is to seek him. Verse 4 and verse 6 expresses this. And... Uh, I sought the Lord and he answered me, delivered me from my fears, right? He sought the Lord. The poor man cried out. And notice in verse uh, 8, it says this, Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. The word here, refuge, is cover. The word here, refuge, means to trust. Do you trust God? When you walk out of this building... Not just that you've sung things about trusting God, not that you felt that you trust God, but do you trust God? Do you trust God for the next right step in your life? Do you trust God when you don't feel like going to work, but you know that he's going to provide a way to have the strength to go through work? Do you trust God when you don't have answers through that exam and you're just like, I don't know what to do. And you're just panicking because you didn't study enough. But do you trust God and say, God, you are in control of my life. Trusting God is seeking him. Seeking him is trusting him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. Pay attention to this church. The young lions suffer want and hunger. Strong lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. If you have your Bibles, just turn with me to Psalm 73. Psalm 73. In verse 25. And this is probably one of the verses that is so hard for you to say. And every one of us can say amen. This is very hard for us to say. Right? Because we all own cars and have different things. And you know things in this world that we want. Right? But in verse 25. Psalm 73, 25. Says this. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Guys, this is a person who is completely enamored with God. 
who fears God, who honors God, who has surrendered his complete life to God. You ask the question how you can experience the goodness of God? Well, I think one of the biggest steps of faith is to trust him and to trust that he is all that you need. That there's nothing in this life that you can go through that, that, that he cannot guide and direct your path. And that's why Psalm 23 says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall always, what? No, I shall not want. I shall not want. Because Jesus, he leads and he guides and he directs us and he shepherds us. He guides and he protects and he provides. That's why it says, I shall not want. So to fear God is to seek him. And to seek him with all your heart means you don't, you don't seek him half-heartedly. You seek him for everything that he is. You seek him with all your heart. And the second is this. To fear God is to listen to him. To fear God is to listen to him. Deuteronomy 6, 4-6, it's the Shema, it's the great uh, command of God. Hear, O Israel, mentioned five times in, in Deuteronomy. Listen, hear. The Lord your God is one. The Lord, is, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength. And, and these words are repeated in the Proverbs. But the people of God were hard of hearing. You see, God tells the people of Israel, you need to listen to me. That's why it says, O Israel, hear, O Israel. And here in this text, it says in verse 11, Come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Now this verse has been used for children's ministry, and it actually it's quite true. Because this passage is not just directed to adults. It's directed to the whole family of Israel. And so the children were there, and the parents needed to hear this. And the parents needed to, to learn from David, to, to teach the fear of God in the child, to show them the way, right? Teach. The verse there says, I won't quote it because I don't quite remember it, so... Let's not go there. Um, but um, so, so to God wants God wants us to listen to Him. He says, "Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of Lord." So He's teaching He's teaching the children as well. The fear of God needs to be taught and taught at a young age. That's why it says, train up a child in the way he should go, so that when he is old, he will not depart from it. He's talking about the fear of God, the gospel. So are you listening to God? Are you listening to God? One of the, one of the big ways that you can listen to his word is through preaching. And Pastor Ted and Pastor Chris and others have, and, and Marv and Pastor Marv have done a wonderful job just preaching the word faithfully. But guess what? It's kind of like this. It's like a little child, a toddler, and his mom is trying to feed him. And she's in conversation, yet he's so hungry. And he's like, oh, 
give me more. And then she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm, yeah, okay, one scoop at a time. And the child is like, I want to know how to use that spoon. I want to use that spoon so I can fill myself, right? So listening to God's word is very important, but studying God's word is even more important. We have his written word so that we can know him. And when I first came here, this is the one desire for, uh, as a director of discipleship, is that I hope and desire that all of us will be so united in our love for God and his word, not because, primarily because of Sunday morning, but because of Monday through Saturday. That we are in his word, that we know how to feed ourselves, and that when trouble comes, we won't necessarily go to the small group leader the first thing you know, first phone call. The, the, the thing we go to, the person we go to is the Lord Jesus. And we look at his word and we, and, and we search his word and we say, Lord, the relationship I have with you is so important. And I can listen to you because of your word and the Holy Spirit that's speaking to me. So brothers and sisters, this is so important. To fear God is to listen to him. To listen to him. And finally, to fear God is to obey him. To fear God is to obey him. Look down with me at verse 12 to 14. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. So to fear God is to obey him. It's to befriend righteousness. God is righteous, so are you a friend of righteousness? Do you desire to live a righteous life? And notice what it says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Who's talking here? David. What did he just do? He was trying to act like a madman. His tongue and his speech were totally out of control. And deep within his heart, there was, there was this desire for him uh, to be in control, to escape on his own. And then turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. It's really important to know that obedience is the fruit of true faith. We can't say that we fear God and say that we seek him and say that we listen to him if we're not going to obey him. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. If we are saying, I seek God, I listen to him, but um, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm just not sure. Have you truly listened to him? Have you truly sought him? Brothers and sisters, it's about obedience to God. It's about true obedience so that we walk the walk that we talk. That we can live transformed lives by the renewing of our mind. That's what it means to fear God. To fear God is to obey Him. Simple as this. Those are the last, there's the three points there on the screen. To fear God is to seek Him first and foremost. To trust Him. To fear God is to listen to him, and to fear God is to obey him. And finally, in this passage, we see that 
we fear him because he is our deliverer. And this is the this is the 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 whole encompassing conclusion to this psalm that the that he asks the people, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's experienced it himself. And now he is saying, pretty much we fear him because he is our deliverer. Notice what it says there in verse 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to those who are brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So the Lord delivered David out of, number one, he delivered David out of his fears, his greatest fears. He delivered David out of his troubles. And then finally, look at verse 20. Well, look at verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. He has experienced great deliverance. And then finally, verse 21, affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Why does he say the word condemned here? Have you ever done something you realized, oh, it's totally wrong. And then later on, you're like, how did I get out of that situation? Someone should have, like, condemned me. Someone should have judged me there. But, hey, I got out. I, whew, I got out of that situation. That's not what David says here. David says, none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Meaning, he experienced the very grace of God to forgive him and to sanctify him and to say, to him, you are loved, you are forgiven. I'm not going to count this against you, David, even though you acted like a madman. Imagine the king who just defeated a nine-foot guy and like acts out to God, God saves him, and then he says, I fear you, God, because you do not condemn me. You do not condemn me. We fear him because he is our deliverer. He delivers us from our fears. He delivers us from our troubles. And he delivers us by forgiving us. By forgiving us and not condemning us. So, after reading this passage, after going through this passage, do you, can you say, with the psalmist, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you fear him? Is your definition of God's goodness only that which is good in your life? Or do you truly want to experience his goodness based on the, on the very relationship that you have with him by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and that it, that it really shows us what it means to taste and see. For we can only taste and see 
when we believe. We can only taste and see that you are good and you are good to us when we seek you. We seek you in all circumstances, in all situations. And when we listen to your word and listen to what you have to tell us. And when we obey your word and what it says. So Lord, teach us and give us this experience Teach us what it means to fear you and give us that great experience to know not just that you are good, but that you are good to us. In Jesus' name.